0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience.
1: Rodney Ashby, welcome to Stories from the Center of the
0: Universe. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here.
1: You are the 6th VCU Ram basketball player that's been on this podcast. Would you consider yourself the best basketball player out of the six? Or do we need to go through the well, list first?
0: You know, if we depends on what the qualifying indicators are. If it is highest three point field goal percentage in in school history, then absolutely, myself and Mo Alley Cox hold that distinguished honor. Wow. Really?
1: H- how many attempts are we talking here?
0: Well, I mean, what you know, Coach Smart told me one time I didn't need to tell that whole story. Just tell, <laughs> just tell that part, but. Um, so I actually threw an alley oop to Kendrick Warren at Virginia Tech, and it went through the basket. And uh, you know, when you play with Kendrick, when we were we would be talking in the beginning when I first got here, he's like, "Hey," I was like, "Hey, where do you want me to throw it?" Like when I lob it up to you, where do you want? It? He goes, "Anywhere in the backboard's fine."
1: Mm, anywhere, yeah.
0: And he was serious. Oh, and he was serious. Oh, dead serious. Yeah.
1: So, should I guess what the uh, numerator and denominator are for your three? One pointers? for one. We could have left it out there.
0: Yeah, could have been two for two. Mo Ali same thing, one for one. Except he actually shot his, wow. and so I used to tell Coach Wade, I said, Coach, you need to get Mo more shots from the outside. <laughs> he goes, Are you trying to get me fired? And uh, Just Mo, Mo was so dominant. Mo well. agreed. Mo agreed with him. Mo thought he should be have the green light yeah. from anywhere.
1: How tall is Mo?
0: I think he's probably six seven, six six. But his, I've never met a man who has bigger hands than he does. He comes up and. You know he'll give you that dap, and his hands wrap around yours three or four times. And I consider myself a fairly good sized guy, but sure. I mean he makes you feel like a you know a midget easily.
1: So when you played at VCU, what were your uh, dimensions?
0: Your six. So five? I was like, so when I got there, I was six four, almost six five. So you know I went to Colonia Heights, played about fifteen minutes my whole high school career.
1: <laughs> we're gonna come back
0: to that. Keep wanted going. to wanted to continue to play basketball. Almost went to chef school down in charleston south carolina at johnson God. and wales and um <laughs> i don't know something told me on the inside i should just probably keep trying to this basketball thing so went to richard bland made the team there ended up being a starter um, made you know the our divisions you know all district team and then i was getting ready to um trying to get into the summer league at the time it was the irv sanders mm-hmm. um pro-am league and anybody that was played basketball in the area wanted to be in that league but you had to get a sponsor Mm -hmm. and so i was talking to coach dean had started to recruit me he was the head coach at virginia state university and i i called him i said coach dean i go "I, i really need you to get me into this league he goes well if you promise to take a visit and give me a real shot i'll get you in the league so he called at the time it was tj's coach jay johnson was running the um running the league and he called coach johnson and got got me a Got me in the league and got my team paired up. And I've got, you know, um, Bill Batts, UVA guy, mm-hmm. um, John Crotty, uh, Reginald New, Jones, New Jersey kid. Yeah. yeah. Reginald Jones, um, Warren Peebles, Kenny Harris. He- I mean, I've got a squad, uh, Johnny Newman was on our was our was our probably
1: the best basketball player to play yeah
0: and johnny loved to play with me because one i never took any of his (laughs) shots and two i set a screen that he could really work with you know he because he didn't he didn't need much room so i get in that league and um i end up just they tell me they hey go sit you're you're six eight at this point i'm I'm about six five okay six six five ish and i'm they tell me when i get in there they're like if you're not setting a screen at the top of the top of the key then just sit in the short corner mm. basically get out of the way little kid yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> stay at the other end you know come down give us your five fouls you know just <laughs> stay in the short not corner not the most inspiring conversation no but yeah. you know what i was in the league i didn't care yeah, you yeah. know i was i was just happy to be there and so I would sit in the shot, the short corner, and they'd penetrate. And next thing I know, I'd have the ball, and it's one dribble layup, one dribble layup, one dribble layup, and just over and over again. And um, Sonny Smith and Eddie Webb at the time were sitting in the uh, sitting in the stands, and they had a kid that name is um, Bobby Reddish. It's Cam Reddish's father, okay, from oh, yeah. Duke, and now yeah. with the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. breaks his Navicular bone. And it takes that takes a long time to heal because not a lot of blood gets to it, and so they, all of a sudden they need a big guy. So I get a call from Coach Webb, and he's like, "Hey, will you come up?" And I'm thinking, I'm getting all excited because I I was working camps to make money, right? And he, is, he has one of the high largest high school team camps in the in the country, so I'm thinking, "Yeah, sure." You know, what week? And he's like, no, "No, no, just come up and meet." So we come up there, and I walk in, and Coach Smith is there, and you know, he's got a picture of Charles Barkley well, and yeah. Chuck Person and. You know, somewhat intimidated, kid from Columbia Heights, again, 15 minutes. And and I get in there, and they're like, look, we want you to come here. We don't have a scholarship for you. We want you to come here. Um, we want you to come here this year. We've checked your grades. You're eligible. You're good. Well, come in. I, I call Coach Dean first. I tell him I'm going to go to VCU, and he says, you should. You should go. Um, I go back and tell my junior college coach that I'm going to go. And then – I get up here and end up not being eligible. I was a, had to redshirt, you know, that, that first year. Ended up being the best thing. I was a really young kid when I grad. I was seventeen when I graduated high school, right. and ended up being the best thing, you know, for me. So, during that year, though, I grew almost five inches. Oh my gosh! You know, getting back to the point of the question. Yeah. And Coach Smith to this day says it was the best coaching job that he's ever done. It's <laughs> getting coaching me to grow, you know, five inches. He's stretching so, you.
1: So it's your at your tallest. You're six six nine. Yeah, you're you're not a short guy. Yep, sure.
0: six nine, and you know I've always played with my weight, and sometimes when I was at VC I was two twenty, sometimes I was two forty, kind of dependent. And, and they brought me in, and they said, you know, I said, well, where do y'all want me to play? And they said, you know, where Kendricks not. And I said I can do that. So, you know, I wasn't picky at the time. It's it's not a lot of. That's right. A yeah, I mean, he was a McDonald's all American. You know, I not not a lot to think about right there. Just get out of his way. Kind yeah, of
1: thing. yeah. All right. So let's back up to your childhood. You you spent your entire childhood in Colonial
0: yep, Heights. Yep. Born in Charlotte, um, moved to moved to uh, Colonial Heights. My mom um, and dad were both from this. Well, my mom's from North Carolina, but my dad was from this area, and um, came, moved here when I was in elementary school and. Grew up following VCU, and I remember one time going to a VCU game at the Coliseum and Miami Sound Machine. So they had the game, and then Miami Sound Machine played right, mm-hmm. after, right after the game. So I would come up and go to games oh, and stuff. Yeah. And um, Who were the
1: big names of VCU when you were a kid?
0: Well, you know, the, the Norm, Edmunds Gerrard, you know, um, Calvin Duncan. I mean, these guys, like – really were very, very talented players. Oh, yeah. You know? They were amazing. And um, always enjoyed – Mike Schlegel, mm-hmm. um, big Wren Watson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, block leader for VCU. and um, Those were probably the main the main ones because we're talking about, you know, the 80s, early 80s.
1: So you didn't play basketball much in school. No. What, what were you doing when you were like 11, 12 years old? I
0: mean, I played every sport. I mean, that's what you did at, at my age. Like, you didn't really – they didn't have a lot of sports – Specific stuff like they do now, right? right? Like, you know, now a lot of parents, you know, slot you into you're doing lacrosse, you're doing soccer. I mean, soccer's year around; everything's year around. Yeah. Those it doesn't days. make
1: any sense to the guys already.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and for now, back when I was there, like you played during basketball season, you played basketball during baseball season, mm-hmm. you played baseball. I even played soccer. You know, right. I was the goalie running was, was and has never been my my big thing. So, but you did play um, college basketball. Well, you there. know, I was um, very, you know, the, the trainer would say you're sports-specific athletic. So, meaning it didn't convey to other areas right. of my life. <laughs> it was, you know, that 94 feet, 94 by 45, like – that was that was good. That's about that's where you're athletic. But you go outside that, it just doesn't convey, Rodney. It just doesn't. But
2: you took advantage of it. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I
0: did. I played hard every single day. You know, um, wasn't a great student, but I went to class every single day, um, and that's how I got out. and you know, I have no regrets about how my career went, and, you know, I worked hard at it, and I didn't play a lot my sophomore year and played a little bit more my junior year, and then senior year started all the games. And, oh, wow. Nice. You know, I played with some really talented guys, and, you know, Kenny Harris, who was a mm-hmm. transfer from, you know, Carolina, Kendrick Warren, Sharon Mills, who got drafted by the um, Minnesota Timberwolves, yeah. was on my team, Eugene Kassarin, who had 28 against the Dream Team. He was a Russian kid. Jan Bonato was on my team. He was a three or four-time French player of the year. So, I mean, we had a good little squad. You yeah. know, we were in a – my first year of the year I sat out, we were in the Sun Belt, And then we transferred to play in the Metro. And that Metro Conference was a phenomenal conference. you oh, talk yeah. about Tulane. And at the time they had, you know, Gerald Honeycutt and what they called the posse. Um, they played in this little shoebox gym that was about the size of this table that we're sitting at right now. And, you know, they pressed and it was, you know – Tough place to play. Virginia Tech was in that conference. Mm. UNC Charlotte, um, Louisville was there weren't they? Louisville, yeah. Southern Miss. Um, so it was a great little conference. Um, and it, it the first time I'd ever been on a plane was flying to one of these games. Oh, wow. You know, so gave me so many life experiences to um, you know grow. So, for sure. Wait a minute. Let me back up a second.
2: How how much time did you say you played at Colonial Heights?
0: Probably maybe fifteen minutes tops.
1: Are you being facetious when you no, say that? No, that's
0: no dead serious. Never started a game. Never. I was all it was all um, clean up, mop up time. I played behind a guy named Troy Smith, who ended up being a really good player at Randolph-Macon here mm-hmm. here in Ashland, yep. and Price Williams, who was um, signed by University of Richmond be quarterback, but ended up transferring to. Um, to or moving to tight end okay and so you know i had some pretty athletic two pretty yeah. athletic guys in front of us and front of me and i just kept working at it and knew at some point i was going to get a chance and kind of got a refresh restart when i went to junior college and you know Never looked back after that. That's a great I, story, though. I mean, that's not that's very rare. Six four in high school, you expected playing, yeah, a little bit, kid. a little yeah. bit. And you know, I, I get to VCU, I mean, I get to Rich Richard Bland, and they had never had a kid as big as me, right? You know, when I say big as me, I was you know, carried my weight, but you know, <laughs> and uh, so the first game, it's like two hours before game time, and my uniform's not in yet. And so they're literally taping a number on a white jersey to try to, you know, to be able to go in there. That's the type of you know, what you're dealing with. And then literally the UPS guy came in like right before warm-ups and dropped my, my, my one jersey off because they had not ordered one big enough. You know, because you have to order these things so, before yeah, you do, well, before had, you even know who the team is, right?
1: Yeah, and you're probably the biggest kid by yeah.
0: a bit. Yeah. This is awesome though. Fifteen minutes at Colonial Heights,
2: a uh, UPS guy brings your jersey to Randolph May, not Randolph Megan to Richard Bland, so you don't have to wear the taped one. Mm-hmm. Then a little a little bit after that, you're throwing alleys to Kendrick Warren. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. Well, it starts fantastic at VCU. That's yeah. fantastic.
0: It was. It, I tell you, it's um it's humbling for me to even have gotten that opportunity and like who knows bobby Radish, who's still like great friend of mine doesn't break his wrist i probably who knows where i end up you right. know yeah, mount nice. olive virginia state you know randolph making coach nunley at the time mm-hmm. you know i was perfect for his system right yeah. oh, you yeah. know um but but uh ended up being at vcu and you know now i'm black and gold and part of the ramley and Love it every day. The Ramley. The Ramley. That's what we call it.
1: It's spelled family but with an yeah. R. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nice. That's the first time I've heard that.
0: Yeah, it is too. Me too. Yeah. All right, so what
1: is it about basketball that really kept you striving?
0: You know, I, it just was, I think it was just like a distraction from everyday life. I mean, my kids, my uh, my parents got divorced when I was a junior, mm-hmm. and uh, or not in junior high, and I had two things that I really loved to do. I loved going to church at the time and I loved playing basketball. And that was my release. And I ended up feeling like I was pretty good at it in my own head and played more and more and more and didn't have a basketball goal in my backyard. It just was it really wasn't conducive for that. And the high school was just under a mile from there. So I could easily walk up there. And then once I got my license, I ended up playing, you know, five or six nights a week and every Saturday morning from like seven o'clock to noon at Lee Park. Wow, And that's really kind of where I felt like I developed, played against guys that were bigger than me, faster than me, um, more talented than I was, but still they picked me up and let me play every single game. It was was awesome.
1: Yeah, it's one of those games where uh, a lot of guys want to be gym rats and just stay there. I think it's because it's so easy to get a three-on-three game or a five-on-five game, it's almost impossible to get a football game. Going eleven on eleven anyway. Yeah, um, and and there's so many different aspects to basketball, and it's constant motion.
0: Well, I tell you the thing about it, it too, and, and you know, I know you've had a lot of other players uh, on on this podcast, but the camaraderie that basketball brings to you yeah. is the one thing that can't be replaced any other area in life. You know, okay. like I own a business now, and I get to work with a lot of great people, but it's not the same as being in the locker room. You know, and I think about. You know, on days we would play up at the boys' home, it was the, the far and away the best games in the state of Virginia. Saturday mornings at the boys' home, you got Ben Wallace and Johnny Newman and Corey Alexander, and you know, just everybody's comes and just comes here, and there's there's no no fights, there's no anything. You come in, just play you got basketball. Richmond guys playing with VCU guys, VCU guys playing with Virginia Union guys. I mean, just an amazing setup. And, um, those days after we finished playing and we're sitting in there and they let some of the kids from the boys home come in and you're hanging out and just shooting, you know, just talking about life. It's just, those are the things I probably miss most about basketball. I mean, I I like, you know, I miss playing in the games and stuff like that, but you know, I'm so old now I got two hip replacements. I, I couldn't even couldn't even think about doing anything like that. Yeah.
1: Two people be replacements because of basketball? You know? I
0: think so. I mean, I carried a little extra weight, had some arthritis. But, you know, when I left VCU, I went and played for 18 months in Brazil. Oh, wow. And then when I left there, I came home. I was home for two weeks, and I went and played against the Globetrotters through Europe for six months. So I was on the Shamrocks and the Generals.
1: You were on the Washington Generals? Yeah. I saw for six months. play a million times when I was a kid. Oh, I'll tell
0: you, man, it – I laughed every <laughs> single night. I mean, it was just – it was great. We'd get on the bus every morning at 10 o'clock, go to our new town. I would trade um, my tickets for golf at the local course. Me and this this one of the guys, Rodney English, he played at um, East okay. Tennessee State. Yeah. And we would play, and we'd trade our tickets for golf. And then we'd go play golf, and then we'd have practice from like 6 to 7. And then – play it usually 8 or 9 o'clock.
1: I, I do like mentioning such things. Uh, TJ Gwynn was with us. He is uh, going to pick up his daughter at her, her dance practice, I guess you call it, TJ. It's all good. Oh, you, you're in the house, man. It's all good. You, this wasn't <laughs> a stealth thing. Yeah, you tried yeah. to sneak out. <laughs> good seeing TJ. Uh, so Harlem Globetrotters, like I, I remember, Curly Neal and Metalark Limited, and those guys. Who were the the Curly? So and the I
0: um, I got to meet those two guys. We played in the um, World Trade Fair in Bordeaux, France, and they brought Metalark and um, Curly over. And um, didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with Metalark. He was above the program, really. I mean, Curly was more of a man's guy, like wanted to hang out with the guys, the right, new right guys, here. and stuff like that. And. Um, I, I remember we would sit in the locker room, you know, spinning a ball and we'd play this game where you spin the ball and you try to hold it on your finger, but you couldn't you couldn't hit it again. You only get to spin it one time. Right. And everybody's ball was falling off and it came down to Perk, who was Curly's protege, who was had taken Curly's spot. Essentially the point guard that did a lot yeah. of amazing all the tricks dribbling. and stuff like that. Dribbling. And he's getting there and it's slowing down, he's holding it, and then and then Curly stops on his finger he's balancing the ball on his finger not moving solid and you know everybody's like that's crazy and i can't tell you how many lamps and stuff we broke in hotels (laughs) trying to do the same thing but didn't have that was
2: it i was at geese osby was he there he was was not no Um, because he was one of my favorites so his protege
0: was a guy that played at university of houston and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but very similar demeanor, same build, long legs, short torso, 6'10", 6'11", <laughs> um, just absolutely hilarious. You know, they called him the clown, you know. Yeah. he was He was That's awesome, but it was great. a great experience. And again, got to go all through Europe, you know, free of charge. You know, yeah, was, yeah the, the, Harvard glove were the Glove Globetrotters were the Globetrotters. Yeah, there's two teams. So there's one that stays here in mm-hmm. America, and then they have one that travels throughout the world. And I came home after those six months and slept for about a week, and my mom's like, are you on drugs, or what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, Mom, we just played every day. Yeah. And they like, go out every, every, every night. And, you know, it's it was a lot. And um, they called the next week, and my mom's like, you got to call. It's, you know, it's the generals. And they're like, I'm like... Hello? They're like, okay, send us your passport. We're leaving for Australia. I was like, oh, you don't have to leave without me. So I worked out a deal with Coach Smith. I needed two classes to graduate. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had worked out, it was what they call now the grad assistant or the administrative assistant, you know, and uh, went and did that so I could finish my degree. Thought I wanted to be a college coach. And then I'm like, you know what? Making a living off 18-year-olds doesn't seem like a real smart thing job for me takes a special person oh it really does yes. I mean, it really does you know you go back through some of the coaches that VCU's had you know the ones that have been successful are guys that just love the kids mm-hmm. you know and it's not that I didn't love the kids it's just that I really wasn't in a position at the time to affect them the way that I wanted to And patience wasn't a real big thing for me for wanting to move up and yeah, I was way down the totem pole and, you know got into recruiting
1: yeah yeah, 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 we'll we'll come to that in a second. So, uh, 18, 19 year nineteen-year-old kids—they're they're still developing massively. Their brains aren't fully mature. Like that's a there's a lot of drama there. There's a lot to deal with. There's a lot of off the court stuff. It's just not for everybody.
0: No, it's not. And I think that you know it shows how much college athletics have developed, and you know specifically around VCU. Uh-huh. You know, VCU has a um, basketball team has a full time mindfulness coach. You know, his an- name's you know Andrew Peavy. Mm. And um, he's, he coached Russell Wilson, you know, former – he's a St. Chris guy. Right, 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 right. Was actually the basketball coach there for a little while. Okay. And, um, he works with these kids every single day and gives them the tools that's required to be successful in life, you know, and as a person and as a man. And um, it's – you know, because VCU cares so much about these kids, those are the things that people don't see. It's it's not the weight room. It's not being able to shoot the three ball. It's being able to, you know, get on the free throw line. At, you know, St. Bonaventure and just the court shaking. You know, if you talk to Joey Rodriguez about at Wichita State, you know, when we won that game by two up there, really got us – was the win that got us into the tournament, our final four year. Right. You know, the court was shaking. He used those tools from these mindfulness guys to help them get ready. But, you know, you're right. These kids aren't prepared, no matter how much AAU they play, to come into an environment, the environments that they're going to face. And the, the fact that you know, VCU's administration and, um, you know, from the president, Dr. Rao, and at the time, Dr. Trani, all the way down to, you know, Ed McLaughlin. You know, they care about these kids so much, they'll do anything they can to make them successful on and off the court.
1: And it pays off in a couple of ways, at least. The program has been really strong for a long time, and these guys end up being fantastic
3: adults.
0: Yeah, and you talk to these kids now, and, um, you know, Jamal Shuler, you know, one of VC's great shooters, mm-hmm. um, you know, before Troy Daniels posted, he, he finished, he retired at the end of last year. And, you know, he posted on his. Um, his LinkedIn and his uh, Facebook today like his new profile picture and it's not him on a basketball uniform it's him in a nice suit yeah. and like you know he's got a job now and a career and it's because you know the things not only from him being overseas so many years because I think he grew up a lot over there too but the opportunities that um, you know the things that they did to develop him here starting with you know that was all the way back from Capel Yeah. Good. you, know? you so, go not not no I am just going to say
2: you're taking a kid and turning him into a man I mean that, yeah 18 to 22 is a big deal.
0: And the mission statement of VCU, not to get too much into that, is, is one they want to create, you know, good, you know, strong citizens, not only in basketball, I mean, from everything.
3: Right.
1: And it shows. Yeah. I mean, all, all the folks that we've talked to from VCU basketball, they're great people, and they're they're. I enjoy talking to
0: them. Yes. Yeah, we love getting together. You know, unfortunately <laughs> last year we didn't get to, but, you know, Lionel Bacon was kind of, when he was at VCU – Um, really the glue that brought all the guys back together and hats off to him for, you know, it's an effort. You know, we're all over the country. We're, you know, lots of different things going on, but he worked really hard at keeping us together and keeping us communicating, along with Diane Long, you know, too. I mean, we talked about she's retired now, but um, she was the basketball secretary for um, almost four and a half decades. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, when you think about that, the coaches that she went through, the players, and, you know, they, you know, she was really the basketball mom. Right. You know, and you you, you call any of these guys right now and you say, hey, what's your one memory of any staff person? And it's not going to be their head coach. It's going to be Diane Long. Wow. Yeah. That's and awesome. she retired
1: a while ago. Again. She
0: reti- just retired just this year, this summer, her, um, she retired, and her and David are... Spending a lot of time at Myrtle Beach, and their daughters coach softball, and they've got new grandkids, and that's what they're doing now.
1: And uh, she so she started when uh, Calvin and Rolando were oh,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I before Mike Polio, who I was, I mean, I don't even know who's before that, but yeah,
1: wow, that's crazy. Yeah, All right, so Chuck. Like, no,
0: maybe I might have been that's going way back. Yeah,
1: so uh, when I googled you a few months ago because Kevin said there was a chance that we could get you on the podcast your game where you scored a bunch of points and you weren't known as a as a prolific scorer no No. talk us through uh that experience
0: so it was at louisville um they were ranked i think 12th or so 12th or 13th in the country at the time and um we flew commercial then it's not like it was then so we flew in two days early because we couldn't get a flight in to get us in time (laughs) you know it is and um, so we're practicing in Freedom Hall, and Louisville was, you know, the, the premier name in our league at the time. Oh, in the they won Metro. the whole thing in '80, yeah. right? I mean, you walk 86. in, you're walking this time. This is before the Yum Center. This is, you know, the Freedom Hall and the championships and the the retired jerseys. You know, it's a pretty special, you know, place. Denny I mean,
1: Crumb was a huge name. Oh,
0: that. yeah. Huge. And uh, ask me about him. Okay. In a minute. Um, so we get. We get in there, and uh, my shoe I had turf toe. Mm. So they had put this steel plate in my shoe, and it sliced the shoe at practice. And you know, shoes were a little t- more tough to come. We didn't have a Nike contract. We were Converse at the time. They were great shoes, and, but this cut. And so they give me a brand-new pair of shoes, and the guy's like, man, you don't need to be playing against a Louisville on a pair of brand-new shoes that you've never even put on before. And I'm like, well. What do you want me to do? <laughs> right. It's a hole in these others. So I end up, get out there, and then things start clicking a little bit and moving around, and they're guarding Kendrick and Kenny and Ty- Tyrone McCoy, you know, and um, we're winning, and we're sticking in the game and end up, um, it's coming down, and it's like, I don't know, six seconds left or something like that. And At the time, I think I had like 18 points, end of regulation. And we're running home run, which is the Christian Leitner play. That's what most people would think of it. What you know, name of it is home run. And you know, Kendrick Warren's at the free throw line on the opposite side, and they draw up the play. And it's like, Chuck, you do this. Chuck's my nickname. He's like, you do this. And and then, you know, whatever happens after that, let's go. And so I'm walking out, and one of the assistants grabs me by my jersey and says, Whatever you do, don't throw it out of bounds. And I'm like, I can't throw it that far. I'm not worried about it. And so, I get in. I mean, I feel like I barely let go, and the next thing I know, this ball is in the band on the, on the other, the end, other of the end of the court. So you know yeah. what happens, adrenaline. adrenaline yeah. You know what happens if nobody touches it. Yeah, you go. Ball back. comes yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. So they it's get the, the pop ball. Pop. <laughs> yeah. Out of bounds, tie game, underneath their basket.
1: I'm like, oh
0: my god! And
1: like, and you were having an amazing game. Yeah, I mean,
0: 18 it. points at that time. I mean, it was my career high even then. And they end up getting a shot off, but nowhere near, and like get back to the bench and they're like, all right, turn the page, forget about it, right? <laughs> never happened. I'm like, let's do the ball, you know? I'll never forget. Yeah. That. Did you make eye contact? Yeah. Or be assistant, oh, no thinker? sir. No way. I didn't wanna be anything here. Now, I did hear um, afterwards, like they told me a story that uh, Coach Smith pulled that assistant aside. You know, after the game, and said, "Hey, if you wouldn't have said that, he would have never even thought about the potential."
1: Right. You know, it's a very mental
0: game. Yeah. Though. Anyway, yeah. so we get into overtime. I score the first six points. Um, we win the game, and it was just a magical, magical time. And this was, you know, pre-TSA, so we fly back in the next day because um, you can't get out that right. day. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all these Ram fans had come to the airport and. Um, you know signs like it wasn't luck it was sweet chuck and you know <laughs> just it was just such a great feeling and even today I mean there's not a week that doesn't go by that somebody doesn't say I remember you at that Louisville game and, you know it was a special time in my I life was. and um, Mike Ellis who was like a dear friend of mine um, he was on the staff and he always like if I'm with Somebody and he'll always ask him. Has Chuck showed you the Louisville game yet? Like you know, <laughs> tape or whatever. Trying to be funny, so uh, it's um, it's a special uh, college is such a special time in your uh, life. You know, people say, "What would you do?" You know, what, what era would you go back to? And far and away, I mean, college would be be it for me.
1: Yeah, and that game, you had to be like, oh, o- over the moon. Yeah,
0: and then so the next um, the next game was at Tulane. You know that shoebox. I think I had like. Two points, or you know, back to normal. (laughs) I remember (laughs) that.
2: I remember that Louisville game. It it was crazy.
0: I remember that game. It was on national
2: TV, and Terry.
0: I see Terry Gannon, you know, from time to time. I I go to a lot of golf stuff, and and he always brings it up and talks about it. And you know, he he had done the game, and just again another connection, special special time. Another great shooter, too. Well, yeah, he is, and (laughs) he. He would come in and play horse with us, really you know, during arounds and stuff. He could just stroke it, yeah, just absolutely stroke it. But I saw, um, you know, I've been working at the Final Four with Greg Burton, you know, doing the um, some of the they have this coaches rows, radio row, and you come in and basically sponsors bring these coaches through, and you just sit there all day long, just interview over and over and over mm. and over again. Danny Crumb comes through. and I stand up. And I go, Rodney Ashby goes. I know who the, you are. <laughs> I got, and he gave me a big hug. And uh, you know, he, he was like, cool. he, he was like, you almost got me fired. And, you know, <laughs> so, that's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. It's
1: really cool that he's co- that cool about. It.
0: Oh, he really was. I mean, look, that wasn't his first game he lost. That wasn't his last game he lost. But he is a true gentleman, and, and he was always was. He was oh, a legend. And yeah, you know, to see him at a Final Four. Ah, well, Fifteen years later it was pretty special. Yeah, when you were Richard Bland, you couldn't imagine any of this. Stuff, no. Right? Gosh, no. I mean, again, I think that I've been put in the right situation to be successful because I had those experiences. But never would have thought that. I mean, I was almost a chef, for God's sake.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> unbelievable. So why sweet Chuck?
0: So, um when I so I grew up in Colonial Heights and came was late into getting into vcu because it was after summer i wasn't supposed to go there and so they moved me in with um sharon mills bobby reddish carl weldon um guy named lander lewis who Mm -hmm. was the play started at st john's and was actually um big east rookie of the year and then Mm -hmm. transferred to vcu oh wow and i'm in there and i'm trying to get a little confidence and we're in there and i come back in from getting you know groceries or something And Sharon Mills is sitting there with a 40 because that was his nickname, ended up being his nickname, (laughs) watching cartoons on a black and white TV about 14 inches wide. And I'm thinking, there's lots of TVs in here. I mean, everybody has a TV in their room at this point. Right. And he was just sitting in the living room watching it on this little 14-inch TV. He goes, today's nickname day. And I'm like, oh. You know, he, he announced it. Yeah. He's okay. like today's nickname day. We've been talking about it while you're gone. And, you know, he's like, you remind us. We decided you remind us of Sweet Chuck from Police Academy. And I don't even think I'd I would seen mean, Police I Academy. I had not even seen Police Academy <laughs> at the time. But I started going through my head real quick. I'm like, okay, of the things that they could call me, cool. <laughs> like, bad. in this environment, do I feel like that I can live with this? And the answer was absolutely. Sweet. Let's not take any chances about the unknown. Let's roll with Sweet Chuck. Yeah. And from that day on, I was Sweet Chuck. Now I got cut to Chuck a lot of times, but for the most part, like any of my teammates and stuff, still call me Sweet Chuck.
2: Well, when a guy drinking a 40 watching
0: cartoons gives you a nickname, you accept it. Yeah. And, you know, this this is also the same guy that got drafted by the Timberwolves. I mean, so, like. Big guy. Solid, solid dude.
1: You can't give yourself a nickname. That's one of the rules. Yeah, Uh, I would go
0: with that, too. And, again, it just wasn't, didn't seem that bad. Like. (laughs) There are
1: a lot of worse.
0: Oh, for sure. Especially, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, so, how did you get into recruiting?
0: Fell into it. Um lander lewis the guy that was my roommate from college oh i I came in and i worked for you know coach smith for two years and then um kind of straddled i was the director with the at the time administrative assistant what's now the director of basketball operations for both the men's and the women's team so i did film exchange travel you know logistics stuff basically was administrative assistant And and you were busy like, oh yeah. I yeah. mean, cause back then film exchange was not click a button and send a link to no. the email a link. It, it was, I had 12 VCRs. It was a hundred degrees in my office because the VCRs would just run so hot. <laughs> and I'd get in during the season, I'd be nothing for me to get in 20, 25 tapes. Wow, I have to go in, you categorize them, you make mm. copies for all the coaches. And this was for men's and women's. So it's like, yeah. it was a lot going on. And, um, Came in, Mac McCarthy um, came in, and I worked for him for a year. And they said, hey, look, we're making staff changes. This is one of the positions we need to make a change at. Um, But Dr. Sander says he'll give you a job. He goes, go see him. He's waiting for you in his office. So I go back there, go to see Dr. Sander. He goes, I want you to leave. I said, 20 steps ago, (laughs) before I got fired from the job that I loved, Mac – they told me you were going to give me a job. He goes, oh, I will. I'll give you a job today. You can go work for B.J. Burton, and you'll be the corporate sales guy, you know, the Robbie Robinson, the junior Robbie Robinson. Hmm. Of the, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound that bad. I feel like I can, you know, sell maybe. What is? What am I selling? You know, like trying to understand. He goes, no, but I want you to leave. And I go, he goes, well, I said, Coach McCarthy also said you were going to send me to the Final Four so I could get a job because that's how, you, how it was done back then, right? You went to the Final Four, young guy. Find a school, get a job. He goes, Oh, I'll send you. But I want you to quit. I, I want you to leave. And he kept on. I was like, why do you want me to leave? He goes, I just see so much in you that I want you to go out, experience the world, come back in three years, and I'll hire you if if you want to come back. And I call him every year in April and say, Thank you so much for firing me and making <laughs> me leave. You know he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And He's still, and I'm still close with their family, and um, it's just, he saw something, and so I call Lee Lander. He's working for Aerotech at the time, Tech Systems, which is Steve Busciotti's company, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that owns the Ravens. And he's like, I got this company, and I go, what do you do now? He goes, you recruit, just like basketball, except for you recruit. You know, I was recruiting help desk people, you know, at the time. And he's like, come try it. So I come, and I interview, and suit Every single day, this is like suit and tie. Every single day, oh, man. and um, ended up really, really loving it. B- recruited for about eight to ten months, moved me into account account management. That's where I met you. No, yeah. and. Um, you know, one thing led to another. And then after about four years, you kind of hit your burnout period in staffing. and staffing. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? And I go to work for a management consulting firm where I'm a consultant and I'm basically a recruiter. And I go into companies and, you know, work with their recruiting department, either to recruit or build out processes or whatever. And so I did that for three years. And then I'm like, you know what, I think I can do this better myself. And I want to cut off all the noise. that's not making any money and what I would call scope creep and you know, how old were you at the time? Um, well, I was—I tell you—I started the company when my w- then wife was three months pregnant, and my daughter's, so 17 years ago. Okay, you're pretty I'm, young. Mm-hmm. I'll be 50 in October. Yeah, I mean, so
1: being an entrepreneur when you're 33 has got to be so awesome and scared. Yeah,
0: and here's another—I don't know how much time we have, but you know, another great story about the Ramley is that. I start this company, and I'm taking my box out of the, out of the car, and I get a call from um, what was then Mead West Vaco, and they're like, hey, I need 12 logistics coordinators. You've been calling me for six months. I need 12 logistics coordinators for Monday. I'm like, okay, sounds good. They'll be there. It's like Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. So I get on, and you know, I bought a license with the last pennies I had to um, get a career builder license <laughs> nice. and i just start banging out calls banging out calls and i didn't have an office barely had a name you know of the company and i'm meeting people at bookstores this is before starbucks right so i'm meeting people at bookstores meeting them to interview them and talk to them all weekend long and i get the people in there and then i'm like you know i create an, an offer letter, fake offer letter you know with my name on it and nobody ever asked how i was gonna pay them. i was like <laughs> This is so easy. <laughs> Why would people put their lives in a kid's hand like this? Right. Like, you should be asking some qualifying. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, how long have you been in business? Two days. <laughs> you know, like, it feels like that would be a logical question, you know. So, you know how it works. Like, you you, yeah. you pay them $15 an hour, you build a company out 25 and you, you know, pay tax, pay Uncle Sam, you know, 8 of the $10, and you get your two. And, and you, 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 <laughs> you figure out the math. You know, you're yeah. pretty excited about it, right? And so... Um, I'm like how am I gonna pay these people there's no way because you don't you know you can't bill you know at the time you're billing net thirty at the beginning of the next month right I'm like oh my god and originally um, it's probably the hardest I've ever negotiated they said it we're net we're a net 90 company I was like well <laughs> not, not today, you're not today. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be twelve less logistic coordinators then because they're gonna quit if yeah. I don't pay them on Friday and so um I call. I write. Had written a business plan before I quit or whatever, thinking that that was what you're supposed That's all to you do. Did. It was a business business plan. plan. Yeah. And you know, you guys being in finance, understand that you go to the go to the um, banks with a business plan. And what's the first question they ask you? <laughs> How much equity do you have in your house? Of course, you know nothing about the business plan. They didn't even look at that. How much equity do you have in wow. your house? So I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I go to 12 banks. Strike out all 12 banks. Wow. Right. And I only have two weeks. I need money in two weeks to pay these 12 people. And these are local, smaller banks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I went to the normal, you know, at the time I think it was Wachovia. Wachovia. Yeah. yeah First like, Union. That kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Went to those two. But so I go to First Citizens and there's a baseball player from VCU named Bob Flatford. He used to sit right up behind the team bench. You'd know him. I mean, you'd hear him constantly. And I call him back, I say, hey man, went to 12 banks, none of them cared about my business plan. All they cared about was how much equity I had in my house. Not enough to pay these 12 guys. So what am I gonna do? He goes, I don't know, we got this crazy thing out of Raleigh called factoring and you know, I'll set it up. And so he would have not done that because he doesn't make a penny off this, right? If it wasn't for that VCU connection. He gets me set up with this guy and I f- basically you sell your invoice, 80% of your invoice. They give you eighty percent of the money, which was enough to pay the people, right. right? Not enough to live on, but sure. Enough to pay the people. And then that's how I got started with the financing of it. And it was because of a VCU baseball player. Because of the Ramley. Yeah, the Ramley, the VCU yeah. baseball player cared enough to make a call, you know, to go down there and do it. And I, I thank him all the time every time I see him too.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yeah.
0: And actually, how it comes full circles they're now a client of mine and i've kept you know some banking there just because they got me started
1: yeah why wouldn't you yeah that's loyalty
3: right yeah that's all Oh, i
0: mean that's and they've been loyal to me and uh it's 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 crazy how these connections from athletics have carried over into my life
1: yeah uh hard to get started for sure was it hard the first two three years? yeah i
0: mean I, I had worked really hard and I had felt like I had a good system I mean, tech systems gave me the best training in the world as far as sales just put it sales so, and I knew that it wasn't like you know there, there was no golf back then for me you know it was just grind every single day and um, I ended up getting myself billable and then I hired somebody to help me and then I would get get them billable and just snowball yeah and then, you know, at our peak pre-COVID, we had about 150 recruiting consultants supporting 26 different states, recruiting in all 50 states, Canada and Mexico.
1: That's awesome. Pretty fun. All right, you brought it up. So what was it like running a recruiting company through the pandemic?
0: It's been it's been a challenge, you know. Um, I've got a great CFO that really walked us through a lot of the government programs. So we qualified for the PPP, allowed me to keep a lot of my key employees a little longer than I would have been able to otherwise. and. Um, we have a great banking partner now in Atlantic union, and they, they were very helpful and supportive. And, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned probably from athletics too, is like to be transparent and communicate. And, you know, we had weekly calls with everybody on our whole company where we just pulled the, pulled the, um, covers back and said, this is where we are and this is what we're doing. Um, we did the people that we kept, we didn't have any work for them to do. They were just there and so we sent out a thing. We did this pro bono um, to all of our um, current clients that were struggling and to our um, prospects that we felt like we had good relationships with that we would give them a recruiter, like just give it to them for six weeks. For and that was the length of time that we had for the PPP. Right. And six or seven companies took, took us up on it. And so we just kind of muscled through it. And then now, like we said earlier, recruiting is just a – Probably the craziest I've ever seen it in seventeen years. you know two thousand seven two thousand eight before that first bust mm-hmm. um, banking bust was um, we were pretty busy, but nothing like we are um, today, which is good. yeah,
1: it's great. Uh, lots of jobs are available it doesn't seem like there're that many. You would expect more candidates uh, to be looking for jobs. Yeah, I mean,
0: is, and you hard. know, not to get political, but I mean, I think that the you know the politicians on both sides did what they needed to do to feel like to support their constituents with the, um, you know, the special expanded unemployment benefits and stuff like that. And we did; we needed those for those people, right? right. Um, but what it's created now is a sense of security that we will get bailed out. That people, um, and they talk about. Well, the applications for jobs are, are continuing to go up, but the serious job seekers are not. Right. You know, and that's the difference. You know, they're, they're applying to jobs so they can keep their benefits. exactly right. Yeah. They're not applying to jobs because they want the job.
1: Yeah, I've seen people come through. They actually go through the entire process, take the job, and then quit within a week or two. And then I think that yeah. ends up giving them it's, more And money. it's getting
0: better. It is, you know, we we look at what we, the funnel metrics constantly. It is getting better. Um it it more people are starting to come out through the bottom of the, the funnel. Um there's some good jobs out there right now though. A
1: lot of really good jobs out there. Some good
0: jobs out there right now.
1: Very cool. Uh so uh thirty three, pretty tough times. You're hustling the entire time. Every waking hour is probably focused on building your company mm-hmm. and, and surviving for a while, yep. I imagine. But these days you get to play some golf.
0: Get to play a little bit, you know. Um, try to get out once every other week, maybe, you know, Wednesdays. You're lucky. Have a group. Group of guys, and you know, one thing about my job, I can work anywhere, anytime. You know, I'll go home tonight and put the bow on a couple things, set my day up for tomorrow. You know, so um, when you're a business owner, you never really cut off, so it's just a matter of when you're going to do the work, not you know, not if you're going to do the work.
1: And you're taking some phone calls on the golf course too. I imagine, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what is it about golf?
0: I don't I mean it's something I can physically play for one you know I was talking to Kevin about you know started to play some pickleball too that's mm-hmm. been fun it's a little you know we, it, that's more of a doubles game and as the courts a little smaller that's and it's built up a little sweat but um I love the camaraderie of of golf I've got a group of guys that I play with and we walk and um it's good exercise for me and listen to music and it's just you know we're not throwing clubs we're it's not my living you know it's just love getting out there and being in, being in the. You've seen the club that I play at a lot. It's oh, yeah. just, it's a gorgeous area. It's beautiful. Gorgeous area.
1: You're outside. Yeah. you're doing something. Physical. And you got
0: to reset your brain, right? I mean, your brain has to have a reset from time to time, and you know that and i you know, pre-COVID was concerts. I love concerts. What kind of music?
1: More country these days. Okay. You
0: know, but I anything. I mean, if you looked at my. Um, phone and you saw the music, you were like, you would think I seriously had a mental problem because it is everything. Yep. I mean, from Michael Buble to LL Cool J to Nelly to, you know... Um, went to riley green and dirks bentley the other night i mean it's just all over the place so. yeah. and it's all good yeah,
2: yeah i'm it. with you i'm Love with you it. there so when you're walking um the golf course you were literally walking mm-hmm. are you walking in the fairway or are you walking in the woods where i walk
0: um yeah <laughs> i spent a lot of time looking at the fairway wishing that's where i was so, <laughs> you know i and you knew me back then but it was i've lost about 120 pounds so mm-hmm. I, you know i got sideways before i got my hip replacements Holy and cow. um once i got that done i just got on the scale one day and i was like i'm not going to pass that number and got up and every day did a little bit and it all didn't come on at one time and it definitely hasn't all gone off in one time but you know that has helped me um you know keep it off as well
1: yeah walking has got to be great yeah for you, right? yeah well anyway, i'm not <laughs> going
0: out and running 15 miles i mean
1: not just, not with hip problems yeah no,
2: no. I will say this, though, and, and Rodney, and you and I don't know each other that
1: well, but we met. Are we calling you Rodney or Sweet Chuck?
0: Yeah, Sweet I'm, Chuck, I am answered anything. My, my lady friends are not the ones that are not allowed to call me Sweet Chuck. So I mean, okay, well, that's what, good. But you guys qualified. But I, I will say this about, about Sweet Chuck. Um,
2: we knew each other through work for a little bit, and the coolest thing you did, I got laid off from that company, I don't know how long after I met you, and I called you. And I wasn't necessarily looking for a job. I was just looking for some help. Hey, what do you think I should do? And I knew you ran a recruiting company. And he said, hey, come meet me at Boy Chicks and let's let's talk. Do you remember that? I yeah. don't know if you remember that. Yeah. We met at Boy Chicks and he gave me all kinds of great advice um, and, it, and it, advice that worked. Great. <laughs> I, mean, I was gainfully employed shortly <laughs> thereafter. But uh, just that is so cool because not everybody is willing to, especially if you don't know somebody that well, and, and, you know, to go out on a limb and, and take the time to do it. So I, th- I thought that was great. I've always had a special place. And when we started doing this or when he started doing this and I came aboard, you're one of the names I thought. I was like, we oh, gotta get, awesome. we got to get Rodney on here because he's such a good dude. So appreciate that. Anytime. I, hopefully we don't need Hopefully never have to do that again. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well, and you didn't have to meet him at Boychick's, right? You could have said, I'm super busy, man. So no, I mean, I, I,
0: look, I love Richmond. I'm all about trying to support – here And you know, unfortunately, I don't get to be in these other geographies that we're in as much, you know. But I've made lots of great friends across the country. You know, we've got a great contingent in Texas and Milwaukee and Charlotte, and just love spending time in those communities and getting to know them. But Richmond's special, yeah. And Richmond's it a special is. place, it is, it's your home, it is. I
1: mean, it's where VCU is, too. Yeah, VCU's uh. Had an awesome influence on the, the city for sure, and it's. I, I have nothing but positive thoughts about all things VCU, yeah. And a lot of my family uh, went to VCU for various uh degrees, so
0: yeah. I get to spend a lot of time with guys that you know, like before when Dr. Trani, like right when he retired, and hearing some of the stories, he used to love to go to the dairy bar over in Scott's mm-hmm. Edition mm-hmm. and would see him there, and we'd sit down and talk, and he'd tell stories about you know why it was so important for him to get. MCV to call VCU Health and like I don't know if I'd really go to war the way he did for that but he felt like it was important and it ended up being really important and it is important for branding and everything and he talked about how important it was to build relationships with the communities around around um, VCU because he was going to be buying real estate and growing and didn't wanted to build relationships so that we fit into those communities and like it's just such a thoughtful Way that VCU goes about things you know and I think that they're getting ready to with this new athletics village And you know I know some stuff came out but there's some stuff that's getting ready to come out it's going to be so amazing for the community and not just Richmond but like everywhere you know and um, it's I love being able to say I went to VCU because of what they do in the community
3: yeah
1: the vibrancy of, of the city of Richmond a lot of that comes from VCU oh yeah a ton of it does
0: I mean I believe it does, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you, you do uh, radio for VCU basketball. Are you at every single game?
0: We are. I, so I started out um, doing radio and TV. Greg Burton and I, they got it back in the right before, I guess it was 2008. Um, the CAA, which was kind of ahead of their time, said, look, every home game has to be streamed on the internet. Oh, wow. Back in 08. Yeah. Hmm. And which was saying something so you know mike ellis calls me he was doing the radio with um terry siski at the time and says hey we got to put this thing on this thing it's called the internet and we have to stream it and like we want you and greg burton to do the games will you do it and i was like i've never done it before he goes oh, believe me there's nobody gonna be listening to it just with, you know we got to do it i was like well thanks for the confidence <laughs> maybe, right. maybe your mom yeah, you know, yeah i get up there and like we do the first game and um afterwards greg's like oh you did a really good job you know, just let me give you a few pointers. You know, he's a pro. You know, right, just right. like, really. and he goes, you know, maybe come in with a few, a few more transition phrases next time, like, because you can only say, I think you said absolutely two hundred and sixty-seven <laughs> times, you know, on the broadcast, you know, and started doing it more and more and more, and then you know that went by the wayside because we started getting, you know, after two thousand and eleven, obviously everything just went kind of nuts, and um, we started to eat more and more games were on national TV. We switched to Atlantic Ten, like all kinds of. Transition. So I stopped. I was maybe then started doing eight to ten uh, TV games a year, and then Mike Letos calls me one day. He was working with Robbie at the time. He's like, "I think I'm going to have to hang it up. I'm just I moved too far away. My job, I have to travel too much." He goes, "There'd be nothing more. I'm mean, more than just to be able to do that, but I can't." He goes, "Can I give your name to Robbie? Like Rob, you and Robbie are close. You all got this great vibe, you know." And I was like, "Man." love to you know and i just have so much love for this school and robbie calls and he's like hey uh mike letos is hanging it up and i was like oh really you know and he's like i really want to know if you'll do it and I'm like, yep he goes <laughs> I, "He goes, but i haven't even told you how much it, like, it doesn't matter i mean like like can i quit my other job day job and he's like no <laughs> i was like well then it doesn't matter you know right. like i want to do this and Last year was my first year doing it, and it was a really weird year. Um And you're doing TV and radio, or mm-hmm. okay. we just, oh, yeah. just kind of flip flop back and forth depending on you know. So we're a Learfield IMG school, and so it, they kind of dictate. Mm. You know, Robbie is their guy. He says, "All right, tonight you're doing TV, or tonight you're doing radio." And, oh, okay. Um, it, it's been a great experience for me, and I just love the guy. It gives me access to the guys that I probably wouldn't have anyway. I mean, Mike has always been a um, players' coach at former players, like, come in anytime, but this gives me a little bit more access. Last year was a little weird with the COVID. You know, mm-hmm. we went up and did the Penn State game. You know, they said, okay, we're going to start letting y'all travel, maybe. Um, and so we go up there, and they put us in a suite, and we were the only us and the Penn State crew and the players and I think the players had some family the the Penn State players had some family that were allowed to be there it was so sterile and so awful I mean contrary to I just went up there this weekend for their Auburn game 110,000 people sitting yeah yeah, I'm really excited about this year's basketball team but you know so last year and then um, I ended up getting COVID. So I did three or four games from the living room. And then right after I got it, Robbie got it, you know, from somebody else, you know, so it was just a weird year. So I'm really looking forward to this year being like your first official kickoff, getting to go into the games Packed and games, right? back to practices. Yeah. I mean, JD, coach Byers, text Robbie after the first home game last year and said, Hey man, we hear every word you're saying during free throws. Y'all have got a pipe down. Wow. We're like, okay. I mean, that's how weird. because there's only 250 yeah. people in the stew, which is such a weird situation for that place, which is so live. I mean, there was no Peppa's, there was no, you know, the crazy fans, the great fans that we have. And the fact that we're going to be back to full capacity is it's a great, place to it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's, it's going is. to
1: be even more amazing because of what we've gone through the last eighteen months. Yeah, I
0: think so. I mean, I talked. Of, I've talked to a couple guys that said that you know the football that are doing football games, and they were like, "Man, I, honestly, I, when I saw these crowd, you know, Kirk Cribb Street sent out a big thing on his Instagram because he was at the game, and it's just like it's so special to have this back this year, and like we didn't, not that we were taking it for granted before, but it's definitely
1: it's a deeper appreciation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, give us a preview of the team uh, this coming season.
0: Well, I mean, I think we're as athletic as we've ever been. Um, We were really deep last year. To say that we're going to be even deeper this year is is true. You know, I don't know that we have that Bones Highland-type player this year, so it might be a little bit more of a team-type situation. Great transfer from University of Washington that um, averaged 10 points a game but shot over 40% from behind the three-point line. He's going to get a chance to play early this year because of it. You know, the injury to Ace Baldwin, who tore his Achilles right at the beginning of the summer. He's ahead of schedule. He's working out. He looks good. Um, I could see him coming back in late December, early January, I think. Um, and I think you've got Vince Williams, who's in the best shape of his life um, right now and looks really good. I think he's going to be handling the ball a lot. you got Jameer Watkins, who really came on strong at the end of the year last year. And then you've got the kid that's kind of phenomenal, uh, you know, came in not have played a lot of basketball, and Hassan Ward, who got to work. I mean, last year was weird because of COVID. First year, we couldn't get him over here because we were having some visa problems. This is the first summer he's got to work with Coach Roos, our weight training, and their staff, and nutritionist. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a man. Where's he from? He's a man. He's from Barbados, I believe. Uh, I, yeah, I think it is Barbados. Okay. Yeah. and Wow.
1: So wait, wait a minute. VCU has the reach to Barbados to the state of no, he No,
0: he was an American, played high school in America, but oh, okay. his family's right. there. He came over to play basketball, but not until he was a junior.
3: Right. right and
0: right. But this is a kid that um, probably, if he has the year that we think he's going to have, won't be here next year.
1: Wow, because he's going to get drafted.
0: I mean, he's he is a Larry Sander type yeah. Which is
1: unusual for me. Yeah. yeah,
0: Larry Sanders type thing, but we're long. We are going to. If you think we pressed a lot in the past, I mean, we are going to put mm-hmm. it on them. And, and other year. teams
1: are typically going to be exhausted
2: by the mm-hmm. end of the game. Like my, yep. havoc, my havoc shirt. See, look at you rep- yeah. representing. So, is is Arnold's kid going to get some time this year?
0: You know, this kid, like he's a special kid, yeah. and he, he kind of. First of all, I've seen this kid been coming to games since he was in his mom and dad's. You know, and you talk about a Rins- Richmond institution, yeah. like Arnold Henderson. So he's the sixth. So the Arnold Henderson is sixth. Is he going to get any time this year? I mean, I think it's going to be tough for him <laughs> to get any quality time. But I do. I tell you what, he's just an important part of the team because he works so hard every single day. And look, he he's another kid probably in the best shape of his life, and he's never had a problem being in shape. Yeah, um, he looks really good. That's good. You know, right now. So it's always fun to see him and. You know the scout team is very important, and yeah. he plays a, a key part of that. And
2: Arnold's a special guy. Well, I got to meet him through
0: AAU. He kids. absolutely is, and it takes a special person to have the attitude and come in day in and day out, and probably be have the understanding that he's never going to play a significant yeah. role, but still have that same great attitude every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why he's here. Yeah, that's awesome. You know. That's
1: and, awesome, and he's the sixth. They really like the name
0: Arnold. Oh, they do. Yeah. They do. I'm sure his dad would love for there to be a seventh, but his mom, I'm sure, wants him to, in right time. to end it at some point. Yeah.
2: Now, it's, it, got to, it's got to end at some point. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Isn't he Gerald's brother? Or no? Are they related? Uh, I, if
0: Someone he is, I rumor. did not know that. I mean... Okay.
2: If you don't know it, then it's probably not true. Yeah,
0: I don't think so. No. Um, maybe somewhere down there, but um, I, I had not heard that. Someone I told would have me been shocked rumor. if... I mean, I know his dad pretty well. I'd be shocked if We don't fixed. fact
2: check on this uh, yeah. uh, podcast, so Oh, okay, it's all good. good. Yeah, it's but, all good.
0: I'm not going to sign off on that one, I don't uh, think. No, we appreciate you not <laughs> yeah.
1: signing off. Because if you say, yeah, I think he is, Kevin's going to think for the rest of life. Uh, I'll well. put okay. it on Facebook <laughs> tomorrow.
0: We'll have to Google it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a good story for a podcast, yeah. though.
1: It does. Uh, so uh, talk to us about your kids.
0: Um, daughter's 16, plays volleyball at Glen Allen High School. Um Gets straight A's, never have to worry about her. Doesn't get in trouble. I'm so blessed. Um, does she like to debate and argue her dad a little more? Yeah, of course. She's 16, but she's a teenage girl. Man. Overall, um, I'm lucky. My son is 13 and wrapping up his last year at St. Mary's, and um, you know, loves sports and video games and swimming in the pool and hanging with his friends and doing boy stuff. And he's still you know, I've still got him a little bit, you know, as far as wanting to spend some time with you. Um, Madison's starting to come back a little bit now, but that's the hardest thing as a, as a girl dad is that, you know, she hit 13 from zero to 13. She was daddy's girl. And then you lose him a little bit at 13 and man, it breaks your heart. I mean, it just absolutely breaks your heart. and you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a great relationship with my ex-wife and we talk about it a lot that she's going to come back. She's going to come back. And she really has as of late. And you know, we'll call and ask and talk about stuff. And, you know, yesterday she calls and goes, dad, can you come over and just help me with, Calculus, I said nope, but I can find somebody. <laughs> yes, yes. I can recruit somebody well, to to go. help you. But you I was go. like, man, I took algebra so much, I should be a doctor in that stuff. But no, I, I no, absolutely not. I cannot help you with that.
1: I mean, if you want to ask me about European history, I might be able to help you. But
0: yeah, you know, I I think about back in school if I would be a, it, I would really appreciate it better at this age than I did back then. I mean back then oh, I course. just wanted yeah. to stay eligible and get out.
1: Yeah, you're just, you're just going through it.
0: Yeah. You? Memorizing things, <laughs> straight up memorizing. This. Exactly what I did. And uh, you know, <laughs> hanging out at Cabell, and you know, more going to the library to look at the look at the library than <laughs> the beauty the, of the library. The beauty of the oh, library yeah. of what was the library. Have you
2: got your son on the golf course yet?
0: No, zero interest. No, zero interest. Now I think my daughter would be really good, and I, she wants to be in business, like in a business, like maybe legal, maybe something, but. She is very athletic and would be really good at it, and I can't get her do it and I tell her all the time. I said a woman that can carry a conversation like you and um hit the golf ball like you could get access to some deals that other people aren't going to get it, get yeah, access yeah, to yeah, but I hadn't hit home yet it will she'll figure it out eventually, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful game they do like the golf cart though. So, I used to bribe my son with the Skittles, and I was like, every time daddy gets it in the hole, you get a Skittle. And then, you know, we'd give him a Skittle and drive in the car. And, you know, it would give my um, ex wife some time to recharge her batteries. Yeah, yeah. So it works. Yeah, the sprinklers come on, you know, run out there. You got to be careful. You can't get too close to those things, they'll take skin off. Yeah, those are brutal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ones near the green are Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. I love
1: it. All right, Kevin, go ahead and hit him with your uh, three to seven part question that we like to end. <laughs> Each episode.
2: All right. Oh. So we, we've been ending podcast with this question. And and well, actually, there's two questions, and, and there's one with the foursome for golf. And since Rodney's a golfer, we could go there. But I like the. You want to do
1: both of them? Go ahead and do both. Well, all right.
2: So we'll do the, the original one. So Jimmy Fallon's sick tonight. Okay. And you are going to take his spot. So we need you to pick a male guest for your show, mm-hmm. a female guest for your show, and a musical group or comedian. Or well both. and or both. Okay. And it can be dead or alive. It can be you going for ratings. It could you, you know, Yeah.
0: Do. I mean, probably Charles Barkley. Because there's not a lot of guys, haven't been able to spend a little time with him because he would come up and play in the golf tournament with for Sonny mm. every year. And I was his driver. There's few guys that can hold court like Charles Barkley, you know, for a TV show. Right. right. I mean, so probably him. And then female guest.
1: Well, can we go back to Chuck? He is a funny guy that you wanted to be around, right? Oh yeah, he I mean, just has this magnetism. We
0: were sitting at um, Buddy's back in the day, and I'm sure neither one of y'all know where Buddy's is. But oh, yeah, you we know, it was I'm just kidding. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and sarcasm. Uh, we're sitting, we're sitting out on the deck, and this guy comes up. You know, homeless guy comes up, and he's like, asked Chuck," he said, "Chuck, you got? Can I have some money? I just want to get some food." He goes. Am I' kidding you. Any money? He goes. But come in here. I'll buy you dinner right now. The guy came around. He Chuck said cleared his table. Guy sat down beside him. Had dinner with Charles Bark. Guy had no idea who he was. Oh. No idea.
1: He was just asking him because he was standing there. Yeah. Wow.
0: Chuck fed him. And then there's another time. I can't tell everybody that was in there, but they were playing a game called Tunk. It's a card game. Mm-hmm. The pot can get fairly high. A little crazy. Yeah. So they're down at Havana's playing I know what that is yeah all right good and then uh the other guy was a former Vcu assistant Tubby Smith right won a little national championship in Kentucky and at the time he was at Georgia and he goes all right I'm good for it but let's play the pot and Chuck wins it Charles Barkley wins it and it's 1800 bucks but um tubby's 300 short he's like give me the keys to the car I was like why he goes, they know you're good for it. He goes, no, no, no. I can't have Chuck going around the whole country Tell saying that, that Tubby Smith doesn't pay his debts. I'm going to get that $300. <laughs> yeah. If it's the last $300 I ever get, I mean, he's getting that money. So he did. Comes, he sets it down. Chuck grabs it, gives it to the waitress. I mean, that's to awesome. him, that's not a lot. But to that lady. He doesn't have to do that. To that lady, you know, that's a great that night. meant something. Yeah. So He does
1: not have to do that.
0: Musical guests, man. There's this band that I, met, I saw down at... Um, jazz fest one time it's called the revivalist and i've kind of become mm-hmm. like a little bit of a groupie and yeah, they're yeah. just so you know love music so much and they've really you know they've grinded through it and they finally got their song on the um super bowl last year i don't know like i would probably have them as my musical guest to try to get them out there a little bit more because i know how hard they've grinded to get out there female guest probably ja- my mom how about that uh, like, bring my go. mom out there and be like mom you know, tell them about how much of a pain in the ass I was, <laughs> about how fast I was wearing shoes out, and, oh, you love know, him. anyway, that's probably that. And then what What was the second comedian. question?
2: Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's your favorite comedian?
0: Um... I mean, right now it's Kevin Hart. I just think he's... he's a funny dude. Like, you can't even look at him and not laugh. Yeah, that's true. You know, in these commercials, he's doing and stuff right now. He's amazing,
1: amazingly self-deprecating, too, yeah. which makes him hilarious. Yeah,
0: because it's not like he's not making fun of other people all the time unless he's making fun of himself, himself too. Exactly. Yeah. He hits yeah. himself harder than he hits yeah, other people. for sure.
2: Because you're a big golfer, the other question would be, who's
0: your dream foursome? I'd love to play... Um, you know, with Obama. Okay. And, you know, I own a business, so y'all can, you know, you probably understand where I am on the aisle on this, but I just think he was, you know, really, first of all, he loves ath- athletics and yeah. tell a story. And just, I don't know. I, I would love to play with him. Um, John Calipari. Mm. I just think that he's done it so many different places, you know. Yeah. And then um, Bubba Watson, like he's just a good old boy, and got to meet him up at the Greenbrier a couple times, and he's just so probably yeah, oh, the best. I mean, Georgia Bulldog, just his wife played college basketball uh, there, yeah, yeah,
2: that's awesome. Yeah,
3: I
0: like Bubba. I like
2: Bubba's different dude. Like when you look at the tour of the day, it's
0: well, he's not like that analytical guy. He's like grip it and rip it and just hit so many balls he can make it make him do whatever he wants yes. to like just grind it out you know not your technical you know Bryson or
1: he's having fun though
2: too oh he's having a little of he doesn't fun.
0: do anything but it's not fun
2: right those hooks and fades that I hit off the tee he's doing it on purpose
0: see I, I don't even know what a hook is <laughs> I mean my slight fade hashtag slice um, I just can't get that thing straightened up
2: no well Bubba's doing it on purpose you could claim you're doing it on purpose yeah
0: I could i couldn't
1: where you could aim pretty far too
2: which is what i do
0: yeah you know i like courses that give me a little room to work look, yeah. work left or right
1: yeah uh trees are not my friend
2: yeah
0: federal sure. club will do that a little bit yeah a little bit a little bit there's some... not that first hole though no first one's rough no
1: what's your favorite course to play on?
0: my favorite one is the sporting club up at the up at the green okay. it's a just it gets probably i don't know a couple thousand rounds a year so it's always in pristine shape it's it's got the mountains in the background, a couple elevated tee boxes. Those are fun. Yeah, it's just, you know, special place. Oh, yeah, it seems like every time I've been there, the weather's been perfect. So, mm. special place.
1: Very special. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played on the course that gets limited play, so it stays in state.
0: Yeah, it's just like the, you know, the club that I play at is just, I mean, it's getting so much play right now. I mean, yeah. COVID has really turned golf around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, made it such a popular sport. And that amazing,
1: can't wait it out,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. That's amazing. I mean, there's so many bad things with COVID, and I would never sit there and go, well, "I'm glad we had COVID," but it really has. Yeah. It's turned the golf. <laughs> I remember we were out playing a month or two after the initial hey, it's COVID, because you couldn't do anything. Yeah, and and I called. I looked and and oh yeah, the hollow says, "Oh yeah, we're open." You know, we're gonna one. You have your cart and whoever you're playing yeah. with their cart, but I was like, "Oh, this is fantastic." It's
0: the only thing you could do. Yeah. I Crazy. love
1: it. Golf's Crazy. especially good when you're in your fifties.
0: Yes, I'll let you know in a week.
1: You're, you're not going up uh, for now. You've done. It. You're turning fifty in a week.
0: October twelfth.
1: I, I hope it doesn't hit you uh, as hard as it hit me. Fifty. Like
0: 50? don't make me get you're yeah. worrying me now. <laughs> no, no it's not. Nice. It's just a number, man. That's that's. I'm fifty-two.
1: Fifty's the, the new forty-eight.
2: Yeah. yeah if you call, it, yeah, you <laughs> can call it that. But I mean, it, hey, it's
0: it's nothing. It's all. I, I look my age. You don't look your age. Are you going somewhere for fifty? Um, I'm going to the Georgia um, Auburn game. Oh, okay, yeah. At Auburn, I'm an Auburn football fan. That's so. a pretty good way to
1: spend the. Uh... Yeah,
0: and you know, go to Atlanta and um, got a bunch of buddies down there, and so we're gonna have a nice dinner on Friday night, and the game time hadn't been set. You know, we're hoping for a late game, late. Yeah, seven well, thirty. Yeah. Probably at three thirty, but we're hoping for seven thirty. Yeah. Um, Kick off, drive down to Auburn, probably stop in, uh Opelika and see Coach Smith and. Nice. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, very cool. Because you know he's doing the um, radio for Auburn now. Mm-hmm. Has the last five or six years. Oh, okay. He mm-hmm. probably loves doing it too. He really does. He's still as funny as he ever has been. And he and um, when they were at the Final Four with UVA, uh, I got to see Coach Smith, and you know, was, yeah, he was always hold a special part in my heart for sure. Have you have you met Bruce Pearl? I have not yet. No. Um I spend some time you know because i spent a lot of time down in um that birmingham area and uh was at lake martin and i just missed him mm-hmm. at the restaurant he had just left the restaurant wow so i've not got to meet him yet. he seems to be fine. oh i hear he is yeah. <laughs> wide open he might have tons of energy right? oh yeah it would, but you have to yeah i mean like you even look at mike i mean mike's lost 15 pounds this summer too he's looking great and um he's Got to do it to keep up these kids. I mean, yeah. It's a non stop job.
1: Yeah. Year round, definitely a year round mm-hmm. gig.
0: Is Kendrick still around town? He is. He's the coach at TJ.
3: Oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Is he really? He's alma yep. mater. Oh, wow. Yep. That is
0: fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Rodney, happy early 50th. Man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks yeah, for fun. having me. Yeah.
0: What a great place, great setup.
1: That's cool, man. I, I really do appreciate you taking the co- time to come out and talk to Anytime. us. Anytime. Awesome. <laughs>
0: If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.